This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello everyone, welcome to the Broadcast Podcast. My name is Tom, I'm the Director of Broadcast and I've got with me Tim Simmons, who's one of the leaders at Christchurch Manchester. Hey Tim, how are you doing? Hey Tom, good to see you. We're going to be talking today about young people and church and uh, I, I know for you Tim, this is an area that's on your heart. You've been uh, working with young people for many years, you, you talk about young people a lot and we know, just to get this out there at the start, we know that God isn't only interested in young people. God wants to see people of all ages saved. He wants to see people of all ages mobilised into ministry. He's got great plans for old and young alike. So I want to start, Tim, by just asking you, uh, why are we having a conversation particularly focused on young people? What What is it about that age group that means there's a conversation to be had there? Yeah. So I guess by young people, we mean 18 year olds to about kind of 23 to 25. That's kind of my when I think that's my the crowd I'm aiming at. Um, and we're talking about it. Me and Vicky, my wife, we started um, we ran a student work at a church in Birmingham um, as volunteers numbers of years ago, maybe 15 to 20 years ago now. And uh, I was really struck by the stories that many of them kind of had about themselves and their faith Um, and the numbers of their friends who used to be Christians who stopped going to church at the point of kind of 18. So whether it's university or or leaving home, that point of making the the step out of family into building their own kind of adulthoods, um, the, the sheer volume that just would tap out at that moment, whether because actually they'd never quite believed or often it was just they were never quite motivated enough or or the church around them wasn't helping to motivate them and draw them in um and so for me that just clicks with me I've all that age group has always been fascinating to me um I love hanging out with them I'm nearly you know they could I could be their dad now quite comfortably been married for 21 years the freshers turning up in Manchester now um, were are all eighteen year olds, so they could easily be my kids. But um, I've always that for me that that age group seems to. Uh, so at that age, you make a big decision about faith. If you are come from kind of Christian home, or if you became a Christian when you were kids, you make a, a lot of big important decisions. And actually, we see people at university come from non Christian homes who come to church and make a faith decision or or through their friends so it seems that sort of age there are big decisions that are made that then once you get into career and you maybe even relationships and family those sort of decisions don't seem to be at the top of people's lists anymore um and we I would observe that across our church that actually most people are relatively set in to at least the routine of faith whether whether it's deep and passionate is another question but uh, that would be my so for me I think working hard with that age group feels like in a funny way it's last chance saloon which is very dramatic and is a huge sweeping statement but yes that that's why I would love to talk about it. 
Right. I mean, I can resonate with that a lot. My story is one of that latter group you were talking about. So I was at a home that wasn't a Christian home. I didn't really go to church as a kid, certainly not as a teenager. Um, turned up at uni and had a flatmate who was a Christian who invited me along to some stuff. Eventually, I went along with him and met Jesus for myself, 19 years old when that happened. So I fit that profile really well, um, which makes me really excited to have that conversation as well, because there's a lot of other people out there who were in exactly the situation I was in and the opportunity is pretty big there. Um, now for us, we've got a site of CCM that is really close to the, the universities. Um, you started that site, um, you started it there on purpose as a mission field to reach the students. Um, there'll be other churches out there that are in that same situation that have got access to universities and to students um and you sometimes hear the um the, the conversation we don't want to be a student church we want to be a church for all ages we want to take the focus away from the students which to me seems a little bit like missing an opportunity when you're there uh, beside a university full of tens of thousands of people all of whom are at the life stage where they're making the big decisions in life. Have you noticed the same thing, that there's a um, almost a, a fear of being too student focused? And what would you say to people who are wrestling in that? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I hear that all the time. Um, I, I think it's a huge opportunity for people to find God, either for the first time or to come back. Um, and so I am very happy to over egg in a certain direction in, in the hope that that would happen. Um, and I, yeah, we don't want to be a student church is a strange thing because often it's again, huge sweeping statement. Often it's people who are looking for people like them to join the church. So we will often hear people in their mid twenties, early mid twenties say, Oh, I, don't want to be part of a student church, you know, and effectively they're saying, I, I need more people like me, um, which isn't a bad thing at all because, you know, we need friends. We need people who are walking through similar life stage to us. I, I completely, um, I mean, I'm the same. I mean, we, when we planted Fallowfields, um, it wasn't people like us. We were in our early thirties. We had little kids like, like Esther was you know, three months old. Abby was just over two um, so the, we were and we started it as an evening meeting. So we were not aiming at people like us. And it was it was a hard journey. Yeah, it was, you know, and it has impact and toll and all those things. So I, I completely understand it. But I think you have to take a, a number of steps back and look at a big picture, um, which is hard to, you know, it's hard to sell if you're uh, losing friends. And um, it's a, it is a difficult thing. Uh, but for me, it's always look the non-Christians that turn up on a Sunday or that are uh, around the fringe of our church are, are often in that category um, that we're talking about. So for me, it feels like that, that's the big picture that we, that we have to look to always. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right there. Um, I mean, what I've noticed is we seem to have to replant that site every yeah. two or three years because you'll get people who turn up, they'll run really well with us, they'll get trained up, they'll get really stuck in, and then life will change. You'll graduate and some of them move to 
other parts of Manchester and get involved with other sites, and that's great. Some of them get to other places in the country, and uh, I mean, hopefully their time with us has equipped them and they can go to those places able to make a difference and bless whatever church they end up in there. But then the, the Fallowfield site itself, you look at the list of people, you're like, well, we've just taken a third of our people off this summer because they've moved away. And if that happens year after year after year, there's a huge churn, which takes a toll on people who are working in that kind of world. Um, but it's, it's something that just, the impact of it to be able to get people at that stage, put these foundational stones in place, train them, give them opportunities to do stuff in ministry. Just the payoff of it is, is so big. It's, it's worth the toll, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think if you looked at the, the kind of the core of all of the different sites that we've got, um, even the site plants that we've done that haven't worked, all of them have had people who either are students or were recently students in Manchester and have become part of the church. So they're absolutely uh, foundational for us in reaching the whole city, serving the poor, um, all of the things that we want to do. They've, you know, done international mission with us, all of that stuff. It just is that they are fundamental to it. So when you, an 18 year old turns up on Sunday with, you know, they can barely cook a vegetable. <laughs> like they've got a clue about anything in life. They're living off Domino's pizza. It's easy to just think, oh, well, you know, this is going to be what well, they're just going to leave eventually. But it isn't always true. Um, we numbers of them stay at least for a couple of years. Sometimes they build their lives for even longer. And they're they're the foundations of what CCM is, I, I think. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're vital to us for the whole for the whole of the city. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine the people who are listening to us have this conversation talking about young people and students in Manchester, city with two of the biggest universities in the country. And they're thinking, well, my context is pretty different to, to Manchester. I'm, I'm in a town, I'm in a rural community, or I'm in an area of a city that's not near a university. And you're talking about all these students who are just turning up on your doorstep. But my experience of this is, the opposite i'm working with these kids from being born through our kids groups through our youth groups and then they get to 18 and it's just getting exciting and they go off to somewhere like manchester and join somewhere like ccm for, for people who are in that kind of context is this a conversation for, for them to kind of check out of or what's the young people conversation for someone who's not right by a university um I think there are in every town and village um, plenty of 18 to 25s who don't go off to university um, or do university from home or come back pretty much straight away. Um, so I think they are there. My question is <laughs> it's for, for everybody to kind of look around at their church and kind of assess how old it is, what it looks like. I mean, we, we've done it for all sorts of different demographics to look around at what CCM is and our leaders uh, and to ask ourselves difficult questions about the, the, the scheme of colour that we see in our church, as well as age range. Um, so I, I think that's a, I think every church should do that. I think there are plenty of young people in every town and we should always ask ourselves. So, my, you know, not everyone at my school went off to university and that would be true everywhere um, and plenty of kids want to hang around so for me that would be the big question um it 
it's a great privilege that they get to send their youth off to university. And it's a great privilege if they can set them up well in maturity and faith um, to go to university and hit the ground running. I mean, it's a, just a wonderful opportunity. Um, and we do completely get the benefit of that. Our youth group is pretty small <laughs> up to kind of 18, although it's getting bigger now. Um, but it, over the years, it has been, a you know, we do a, go to a big youth event like Soul Survivor or New Day. We would take five or six people or kids and we would be next to some big church uh, from some town in the south, which doesn't have a university. And they've got like 200 teenagers. So it's a very different thing. Um, but I still think the questions there are to be asked, even to look at you know, who's up at front on a Sunday. Um, and to ask where the leadership opportunities are for young people as well. I just think it's super important to stop your church just slowly getting older and older. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. Um, so, so just like for us, we've got the the thing of people turning 21 and a whole chump leave at that point. And yeah. Other churches, it's 18. And yeah. uh, it's the same thing, though, isn't it? While we've got these people, how do we equip them? How do we build into them? And, and then there'll be a whole bunch that don't leave. and there's a mission yeah. field out there. We've been talking about the opportunity for the sake of the young people themselves, um, but you've yeah. been hinting a bit into the the effect it has on the church and uh, the dynamic if the church drifts old. Like, what, what would you say for a, a church that is wrestling with this? What, what would be some of the dangers from the church itself of not having anyone in the 18 to 25 range or having very few? What, what, what will that do to a church? Well, Tom, me and you went and looked at a church building very recently, um, which is up for sale. And the people showing us round um, said, oh, yeah, well, the church just shrunk and shrunk. It's just a small group of old people now. So uh, and there are lots of different reasons for that. And it isn't just that they didn't give any young people any opportunity, but that has to be part of it. And the fact that no young people wanted to be there or go to it um, so I, I think unless you're actively trying to engage 18 to 25s in leading, I th your, your church will just keep getting a bit older. Um, and there is a there is irrelevance is the issue because the gospel is relevant to old people and young people. But uh, there is a demographic reality, isn't there? That if churches do get older, they start to shrink. So, um, so I think there's, uh, I think there's genuine danger in that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? Um, I don't know if this will uh, make sense as an analogy, but I, I remember seeing when, um, when Tony Blair was uh, Prime Minister's questions and uh, David Cameron had just started leading the Conservative Party. And at the time, Cameron was young. He had a whole load of hype around him. And uh, Blair observed, like, I was once the hot young thing. Uh, and now kind of 10 years in, he isn't and, and someone else is. And I, I think about churches that were planted at different points in time. So churches planted 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, even sites that we planted 10 years ago at the time seemed radical, full of faith, seemed on the cutting edge. And now I look back and think, man, if we were to do that now, the people that we'd reach, they're, they're not your 18 to 25s anymore. They'd be people going into their 30s because that group of people 
ride that wave. And then 10 years from now, it'll be people going into their 40s. And you can ride that wave right through to people in their 80s. And that's how the church dies off. Whereas to engage young people, that group of people need to get, not just where we're pioneering and doing the things that seem full of faith to us, but we're going to give some of that away. The the way of doing things, the the attitudes, the questions that we address, the style we do things with, the, the culture even modified as this next wave come through. That's a really hard and sacrificial thing to do, isn't it? I mean, have you found that a challenge having planted 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, was it you planted into Fallowfield? Just letting the the waves of change happen as as new youth cultures come through. Yeah, yeah, it's all yeah, every year. Every year I learn something new off a bunch of different 18-year-olds that turn up. Um, and sometimes it's by what they tell me, or sometimes it's just by observing how they behave. So I mean, 10, 12 years ago, the 18, 19-year-olds weren't that different to me. Um, now they're just a world apart in in a strange way so their their desire for ethics and justice is just huge and and even people who aren't that interested in it have a have a basic appreciation of it um so the that kind of agenda is is all that is in their dna really they don't even think about it it's just you know it's natural to them to uh, to question the ethics of something and and uh, the issues of justice that are in the world concern them, even in countries to which they have n- no impact at all. It's not even local issues. They would be very concerned about things that happen in, in America um, and particularly, but also in other nations as well. There's uh, um, a much deeper understanding of that stuff, uh, which is very different to my generation. I think we, a few people were like that, but most people kind of shrug their shoulders. Um, the, their consumption of media is increases almost year on year. Uh, and whether that's via social media or by, by Netflix as well, I think TV has bitten back at social media. Um, and so the, you know, that people are formed and changed now by Netflix documentaries. <laughs> so they're, yeah, massively. So the number of people I we can see becoming vegetarian or vegan because they've watched Netflix docs, um, and which isn't a bad thing. I'm just saying it, where people are being formed and what they're allowing to form them um, has changed huge amounts. Um, so, yeah, you're constantly on your toes, really, trying to observe um, and part of it is because you want to, when you preach, you want to preach in a way that connects. Um, and so you're trying to look for analogies and things that, um, you know, work for them. Um, so, yeah, yeah. All the time, always trying to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of what we've talked about, I guess, so far is just that young people are important um, and what it looks like to engage with them. You've started alluding to that there, seeing the, the way young people engage with the world, seeing the the different things that form and shape them and reflecting that a little bit then in the way you converse, maybe even the way you you preach, the way you lead different things is all around that. Let's say we've got some people listening who who get it and they buy in, they say, yeah, we we need a bunch of young people in our church. We we get that it's important. Um, What are some of the things that they can do because that's a block isn't it for people like we've we've not got young people we want young people what's the action point for someone i think 
I think young people want to encounter God and see vision for big vision for changing the place that they live and their community. That, I think that's always been true. I think it's still true. Uh, I think that would have been true for when, for my generation, as much as the current one, people want to encounter God and that encounter to be real and to touch lots of different parts of their lives. Um, and I think at that kind of age is when you are most passionate about that stuff and perhaps have the most capacity for it. So your career kind of isn't bedding in hard. Family life isn't like that uh, super uh, intense either. So I think there is desire there to meet God and for Christianity and faith to not look ploddy and routine, it to be exciting and there to be opportunity to take part in something which changes the world, I think. Uh, yeah. uh, so for me, that I, I think that's point A, really. What's your vision for your community, um, for your young people's community, for seeing the kingdom of God advance? Um, how are you going to be part of that? And at CCM, we, we talk a lot about church planting and reaching out to different parts of the city and for um, Alpha and those sorts of things. So they're, they're a big part of it. We would say this is our what we want to do. And we call our all our people, but our young people as well, to be part of those, to go off and um, plant. So our next site plant has got um, someone leading it who's quite a recent um, graduate and like within the last three or four years. So, uh, and, you know, we tell those stories. So I think that's your, your first thing. Um, and then they love community as well. So it, having them around your house and in your life is just a, an absolute winner. And knowing that you will not get an invitation back uh, at least for a few years, because they often they live in places where they feel uncomfortable inviting you back to them. It just doesn't quite work. So, so there's a bit of the, uh, I think in church, there can be the middle class. I get an invite, then you invite me. And there's that kind of what, what middle-aged people do. Um, but actually that doesn't work. So me and Vic will regularly have big groups of people rounds. And for us, it's just an opportunity to serve and love them and have fun with them and bring them into kind of our lives and family life a bit. So the big vision and big community uh, are probably the, if you if you haven't got young people, they're the they're the first point yeah. of call, um, yeah. and then finally you got to get them up front. You just you have to find ways for them to be leading, and you publicly endorsing them as a leader. Which um, Colin Barron leads CCM, and he was always astoundingly good at that. So I remember <laughs> one young guy preached, and he was by any metric. It was a terrible sermon <laughs> by any metric. And you could see numbers of us kind of lined up at the back to go and tell him this is a that was terrible. What were you doing? And Colin basically stood in front of him and was like a it was like the the, the, the offensive line in a, a, a American football uh, protecting his quarterback. Just nobody got near to this kid. He really was a uh, very early 20s. Um, nobody got near to him. And then Colin just made sure that he was able to preach again soon. And he was much better the next time. And every time he did it, he got a bit better. Um, and which I think I remember at the time, because I wanted to give him, I wanted to give him both barrels as to how bad the sermon was. Uh, but actually that, that level of protection around to teaching your people to uh, be very graceful as they receive these new, young, inexperienced leaders, but also teaching them, these young people as well, 
to be graceful both ways. It's, uh, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, so those things for me, that's what, if, if you're wanting young people, it's really important. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a lot of what you're describing is having people actually as part of the church. So you're talking community and seeing young people genuinely brought into community. You're talking opportunities to, to do interesting stuff, to use their gifts, to develop their gifts and uh, leadership opportunities as well. With, with other people who aren't young in the church, I think a lot of church leaders get these are the things that we do. We, we want to build community. We want to get them activated in mission and somehow see young people as a peripheral thing or a, an add-on or we've got to do some separate programming for them well it sounds like your conviction and i'd share the conviction is what young people want is genuinely to be doing church and real church real engagement real opportunity and if that's there in the mindset of the leaders and a genuine heart for it then uh, things will will be different I, I remember when i was at uni there was a mate of mine who he'd been going along to this church for a couple of years never really done anything like wasn't going around to people's houses wasn't serving at that church he just turned up on a sunday and uh, I, I remember another church leader uh, came and did a talk at the christian union and afterwards just spent half an hour with him listening to him um and dreaming with him about what church could be and within two weeks this mate of mine had gone and joined this other guy's church and within three months was preaching suddenly a whole load of young people joined that church and it didn't really have young people before but as a result of this one connection point he then brought loads of mates along and it became a real vibrant young people church not only young people but a lot of young people there doing loads of great stuff so loads of people saved and just someone interested in a young person who'd been ignored in in the church before makes such a difference um just one last thing to ask you about today we'll go more into the leadership side and young leadership in the next episode but um you must have had plenty of times when there have been young people around who you uh, have seen there's an opportunity with you but you're a bit annoying. You're young. You've got stuff about you that I'm sure you and I weren't like this when we were younger, but no. the youth of today yeah. bring their annoyance, don't they? <laughs> like, what for you are some of the things that you've just seen come up again and again that would be easy for you to get annoyed with and therefore block the opportunities of the young people? And, and what have you learned and grown in how you can actually deal with that? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you're making it as a joke, but the um, we uh, it's it's pretty fashionable to moan about millennials or uh, Gen Zs, call them snowflakes, all of this sort of <laughs> stuff. Uh, all of the stuff that they get ripped for, people used to say about Gen Xers who are who are me. And actually, I was reading a book about the 1960s, and it was talking about talks about how the baby boomers were becoming at that moment they were becoming teenagers and in their 20s and the generation then would complain about them having no kind of stickability no you know sense of responsibility or, or hard work or anything like that just a bunch of hippies who want to listen to the beatles and the stones so older generations always moan about the younger generation don't they it's just a so when people talk about like how annoying they are actually i i was at least as annoying 
as they are. But the, I guess the thing that probably comes up again and again, and I know I definitely did this in my 20s, was that I knew everything already with, with no experience of anything in life or church. You couldn't really tell me much because I knew it. Um, and uh, obviously that wasn't true, but that's how I, you know, that was often how I reacted to the world. Not all the time and not everyone's like that, but um, there is often the, the sense of sometimes they just they don't want to hear and they do know better. Um, and my it really gets your pride when people react like that to you. And it always would get my pride and think, well, how can you how can you know better than me? I've been doing this longer than you. I've got some experience. Why won't you listen to me? I can help you. Um, and so realizing actually for myself, the only way I learned was by failing at things. Um, and some things I failed at and some things actually I did really well and did better than people said I would do. And sometimes I did much worse than people said I would do. Uh, and so I guess the the thing that, caused, that I'm most tempted to write people off for is when I think they're arrogant and they won't listen. Um, and actually, you know, teachability is really important. Uh, and I think if you're still behaving like that, well into your 30s and 40s then there is a you know that's a different issue but i think in those kind of the late teens early 20s it's par for the course uh, and creating context where people can comfortably fail and it not be the end of the world so thinking about our, our friend who preached it was shockingly bad sermon but the church nobody left the church there were new people there who came back um you know jesus was still on the throne nothing actually bad happened because of it nothing at all he just offended a few self-righteous people at the back mm -hmm. who thought he wasn't very good and um, so nothing went wrong he was very well protected he realized he'd done an awful sermon <laughs> I, mean, I think he knew it while he was doing it um and was much better the next time so that that helping having that kind of layer of protection and encouragement around um, just feels like it's super important um, and so yeah so for me that was always the thing that would would stop me helping when people came off as arrogant but actually just allowing their arrogance to come up against reality um, is always yeah was always a good thing for us yeah that's good I, I think that's a um, a skill isn't there in knowing what's the moment to step in mm. because sometimes someone's arrogant and as you say they just need to have a go they need to learn for themselves that they don't have it all figured out and then they'll start asking the questions that you wanted to tell them six months ago and they're now ready to hear it but then there's another person who their arrogance is going to cause them to really shipwreck some stuff and to know when to say yeah let's just run with it and see what happens and sometimes the, the leader does need to just take them aside and yeah. do things differently and that's hard and probably most leaders veer on overprotective and not letting them have the opportunity um i guess we're not saying never step in we're just saying give a lot more rope than is comfortable uh, yeah yeah that's right yeah. that's right i mean i remember um when i like in a previous church i preached and i wasn't very good at all and the pastor said well i just i need to protect you so you won't you know it's going to be another 18 months couple of years yeah. um and I remember at the time thinking, well, protecting me from what exactly? I mean, are people angry with me that I did a bad sermon? I mean, is what, what's, 
Yes. You know, what am I being protected from? Am I being protected from myself? Am I never going to get better than this? Mm. Are you not going to teach me and train me? Which they didn't particularly. So it, it was a very, I don't know what I was being protected from still to this day. And, and I know that when I did move to a church in Manchester, where I was able to not be a very good preacher, for example, or very good at um, numbers of things, but was allowed to do them with somebody alongside me, you know, giving lots of feedback and encouragement and laughing at me as well. And um, all, all of those things improved over time, all of, the, all of them, really, just by being able to do it. Um, and equally, I was able to try some stuff that um, I would, you know, when you're in Manchester, we, well, let's try this. And people are like, I'm not sure it'll work, but OK. And then it did work. Um, so there is that the, always this thought that actually these young people will try stuff that we hadn't even thought of. And sometimes when we think it won't work, it might work. And ev everybody wins in those moments. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember someone saying to me a couple of weeks ago uh, about our preaching at CCM, you never only give people one shot. And I thought that's actually true. Um, the only scenario I could see someone only getting to preach once is if some moral stuff came up where they had to be taken out of the firing line or yeah. they didn't want to preach again but I can't imagine how bad a sermon could be for us not to say hey let's sit down let's talk about it let's give you some feedback let's help you grow now here's another go let's see what you've learned and to give yeah. people multiple goes uh, and be in that process with people is a pretty important thing but hey let's let's wrap this up for today we'll come back next week we'll talk more about how to bring young people through particularly in leadership which we've kind of alluded to today but i think there's more to say on that one so yeah thank you for listening everyone have a good week and see you next time bye